Well, good morning, everyone. We're in week three of our encounter series where we've been exploring this idea of encountering the presence and power of God in a life-changing way. This is by faith from beginning to end. And, and it's, it's in spirit and in truth as well because we believe that God is spirit and we as worshipers worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's, and it's unapologetically experiential as well. It's this, it's this, this sense of experiencing the presence of God, encountering the presence of God. We talked last week about how the presence of God for the prophet Isaiah brought him to a place of conviction but God didn't leave him there. He went from conviction to, to cleansing and cleansing to commitment and commitment to being commissioned and the commissioning that went with that. And it was exciting to see how God unpacked that even for us and how that can help us today. Friday evening, we, we gathered together as, for a time of worship with our online Touching Heaven Night. It, it was a chance to, of encountering God's presence, of, of lifting him up, of praising him together. And in expectancy and faith. So we're so hungry for God. I mean, we need his presence and power in our lives. And we're just going after him on so many levels. Today, it's a special Sunday. It's, it's called Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. It's, it's, um, we read in the book of Acts, it was on Pentecost Sunday that God chose during this Jewish festival, this feast, to, to pour out his spirit on his disciples there. And so that's we, we celebrate that as they gathered in Jerusalem, as God had told them, God poured out his spirit. In many ways, that day marked the beginning, the birth of the New Testament church. It was from that time forward that, that they began to disperse from that area, empowered by the Holy Spirit and carried the gospel, and they turned their world upside down. This was, this was a life-changing moment. This was a forward past. This was something new. God was beginning to trust these believers, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to carry on his work of redeeming humanity through the church. And we are the local church. So God continues to use us, continues to use people in this day and age, today even, to carry the gospel, to be his hands and feet and be his representatives to our city. The gospel of, of Luke and, and John both record how Jesus was speaking to his disciples and, and he, he explained that they wouldn't be alone after his departure. Jesus was going back to be with the Father, but he said he would send a comforter. He would send a helper. He would send the Holy Spirit in a profound way. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus makes them that, that promise. Again, in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. As we read on further in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, it describes how the Holy Spirit impacted these disciples and God poured out his Holy Spirit on them as they stayed in Jerusalem and they prayed in that upper room. It was so spectacular that it caught the attention of those who had gathered in Jerusalem for this festival of, of Pentecost. 
And people were, were speculating, what was this all about? It, was, it, it must have been quite a moment because it impacted them so greatly. It was supernatural. It shook things up. Well, Peter, one of the 12, he decides he's going to help these people to try to help these people to understand what was happening. And we have this account in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, of Peter trying to explain to these people who had gathered from the Old Testament what was happening. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 14, it says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and showed it at the crowd. He, he says, hey, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews, residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. It says in, here in verse 7, it says, In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, if you're maybe new to this, maybe you're, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you, know, you haven't been in church much, let me explain this a little bit. Foundational to Christianity is the belief that God is spirit and we worship him in spirit and truth. It's, it's a supernatural thing, okay? It's, it's beyond what we can see or touch or feel, like the senses can comprehend. It, it's beyond what we can uh, think of in our own minds, really, in some ways, but it's a supernatural thing. It's spiritual. We believe that, that God invades our natural world through empowering and acting through people um, by his spirit. And we believe that the Holy Spirit manifests himself, shows himself in such a way that the church is built up and, and people who are not believers are not, are not those that, that maybe would serve God. It serves as a witness to them that, that God is really in our midst and that God is real. So that's just kind of to help, like, when you start thinking about some of these supernatural things that were happening and, and you know, visions and, and, and things that were going on. It's a spiritual thing, and it's real and it's powerful. So Peter goes on to explain in chapter 2 that, that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. He had this crowd, and he said, this is what happened. This is what God prophesied in Joel. Jesus, this, this one that was crucified, truly was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. And if we believe in him, he will, he will save us from our sins. And, and, and the people were cut to the heart. They were like, well, what must we do to be saved? They believed. So Peter went on to say in verses 38 and 39 of Acts chapter 2, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and it's for your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's exciting because that's us. We are those that are far off. See, Peter and the, and the other disciples, they encountered the Holy Spirit in a life-changing way. The result was a powerful transformation. It was an empowerment and proclamation of the gospel. Peter like spoke it and, and people received it. Their, their encounter bore fruit beyond just a personal experience. See, I'm believing for the spirit-empowered proclamation of the gospel, but not just from pulpits. I'm believing that that proclamation of the gospel 
in the, in, in the business world and, and, and in schools and in, and in the healthcare system and, and in our streets and in our city and in our homes, that, that the, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ and the power to save is proclaimed, is shared, is given with power throughout our city. And it may not look like a sermon. The power of God at work in us, displayed in us. Acts chapter 4, as we look down through the story and as we get further down, Acts chapter 4 says, it's the story of Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple to worship. And on the way, when they're going in, there's a lame man there. And, and God moves and, and the lame man is healed. It's miraculous. God does a miracle there. And uh, I love it because it happened on the way to church, not at church. So be expecting of miracles on the way rather than just when it's there. And it raises quite a fuss, as you could imagine. And the religious leaders and the authorities pull these guys together. They, they detain them and they question them. They be begin to interrogate them. And I love the response that Peter gives to them as they question Peter and John about their experience. So Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if, you, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I mean, wow. I mean, this was, this was powerful. Remember, these were the people who had crucified Jesus that had brought these guys in. They were standing for people that could potentially take their lives. And the reaction in verse 13, it says when the, the religious leaders, they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astounded and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love this account. I mean, can you picture it? If you'd been there, you got these guys in robes, all official and, and, and ordinary folks like Peter and John are brought before them. I think there's a message in this for us today. I want to bring out some points that, that are, I see here. First, first the, the writer makes a special note. Like he, he makes it important that we see that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. It could have just said, and Peter stood before them. It's, no, it says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. This was an important detail. This was a major contributing factor in everything that played out in this whole thing. Number one, first, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, there was the recognition of the power and authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Peter explained it as like, this man stands healed because of the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name through which people can be saved. No other name. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This was about the saving power of Jesus Christ. So number one, it was Peter was filled with the Spirit. Number two, the power of the name of Jesus Christ, his authority, no other name. The third thing, the religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John. Being filled with the Spirit gave these men a boldness 
and, and, and a courage to, to proclaim what they knew for sure, what they were so convinced of. And it happened with an authority and power that others could see. It was so obvious on them. And then the fourth thing, they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, I don't know about you, but I find some encouragement in that. They were just ordinary people. It gives me hope. It wasn't about qualifications. It wasn't about title. It wasn't about position. They were ordinary men empowered by the Holy Spirit. And finally, it was, what I, it was all about what I believe this five point, fifth point is, this next one is. These men, they made note, it says, they made note that these men had been with Jesus. It's really the heart of this whole series. It's really the, uh, that we've been going through with encounter. When we encounter the power and presence of God, it changes things. It changes us. It changes our city. There's nothing that can substitute time spent with Jesus. Because when we do that, it shows. I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm seeking a fresh touch from him personally, myself. And, and you may wonder why. Mostly because I know a cleverly put together sermon is not going to change the world. I know that, that I don't have the ability or power within myself in who I am to be able to do what God has called me to do. I don't, I don't have what it takes to reach this city with the gospel for Jesus Christ in and of myself. It's because I know that there are spiritual forces at work that oppose what God desires to do and what God desires to bring that absolutely have to bow to and surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, don't really much pay attention to my power or my words in and of myself. They have to yield. We are a spiritual people. We serve a spiritual God, a God of spirits. We, we are in spiritual battles. But nothing can stand against the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us and works through us. If Jesus was specific enough to tell these, these disciples, these followers, to wait in Jerusalem until they received empower, were empowered by God, they received power by God through the Holy Spirit. If, they, if Jesus was specific enough in that before he loosed them on the world, I believe that that's something for us to consider and think about, and I think it's just as important now. And it's not about speaking in tongues or, or not speaking in tongues. It's not about physical, emotional euphoria experience all by itself. It's not even about casting out demons or raising the dead. It's about what Jesus set out to do, to seek and to save the lost. If the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what it took to transform fishermen and tax collectors and hotheads into world changers, then, then to me it kind of makes sense that probably it's going to take that same spirit within us to transform us ordinary people into world changers. 
And the world still needs changing. And God is still using ordinary folk to do that. Empowered by the presence and power of God. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with, with hope. Filled with compassion. Filled with love. Filled with conviction. That God sends into the world. God is still using the unlikely, the unqualified, the unacceptable to undo what the enemy has vomited on our world. I mean, it, it breaks my heart when I, when I see our kids ravaged by, you know, the things of, of, of the world, the things of the enemy that would, that would sidetrack them and, and oppose everything that's good in our world. It, it kills me when I, when I see br our brothers and sisters, you know, walk away from God because they've been offended in the church or something. And it, it's like, it, it make, actually makes me angry sometimes when I hear the, the reports of the next scandal or, or the unfaithfulness or, of someone where, or, or a separation or a divorce or a family that's being tore apart. It bothers me to think of, of all the people that, that are, are lost, that, that, that are facing eternity, eternity separate from God because maybe in myself I've been either too busy or too tired or too scared to, to share the truth that I know with them myself. There's just way too much at stake for, for me not to be a yielded vessel, to be used of God, to be to be filled and to be on mission for what God desires to do to transform our city. So what do we do? What do I do? What, what do we do together? Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. boldly. I want to pray. I want us to pray. And we're going to go into a time of, of prayer and worship in just, just a moment. But my prayer is that my prayer is that we would we would encounter the life-giving presence of God, that we would be that God would open the heavens and, and flood our hearts with his Holy Spirit and fill us with his Holy Spirit afresh. That we would, that we would live bold, faith-filled, surrendered lives that changes our world for the glory of God. You know, I come with expectancy, but not with preconceived ideas. I don't know what God's going to do or what it's going to look like, but I know God wants to do something. You know, our team is actually gathering right after this service to, to we're going to be doing like a zoom prayer time and and so we're going to be gathering directly after the service and and we encourage you to join us uh, in order to do that you can message us through facebook or email office at faithhalifax.org and, and we'll give you the link to that that zoom prayer meeting um, i sent it out to a lot of people this week just in in hopes that you know you would get that and be able to be a part of this this is a time of us praying for one another and believing for god to pour out his spirit all over his over all over this city. I don't know what God's doing, but I, I do know this. I'm trusting him to do what needs to be done. I just want to take a moment and pray. God, right now, Lord, across this city, everyone within the sound of my voice that's watching this online, that's hearing this message, 
God, I just pray that you would open your heaven over us all, God, and pour out your spirit in a fresh, powerful, life-changing way. God, we're desperate for you. God, we need your Holy Spirit. God, you've, you've called us, you've equipped us, you've brought us to this place. God, we need the power of your spirit to see our world changed, to see our lives transformed, to give us that boldness to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world. Lord, Lord, we repent. We humble ourselves before you. God, we say, cleanse us, make us clean vessels, Lord, and fill us with your presence and with your power. God, we just pray you would pour out your spirit on the young, the old, the men, the women, the children, the, the, the grandpas, the grandmas. Like God, just pour it out, Lord, that we would receive, that we would speak with boldness, we would prophesy, we would have dreams, we'd have visions, we'd speak, Lord, in other languages, Lord, you'd give us discernment and power, Lord, to carry your message of hope and love to a world that so desperately needs it. God, we don't pretend to know exactly what you're going to do or exactly how you're going to do it, but our answer is yes. God, God, receive us where we are. Fill us afresh and have your way. And God, now, even as we go into this time of worship, Lord, we exalt you. We lift you up. God, we want to magnify you, God, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in our lives, in our living rooms, wherever we are across this city, that, Lord, you would come and you would fill us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.